All right. You want to go ahead and make your way back to your seats. That would be that would be great. Wow, this is wonderful. Good morning. If you didn't know, maybe you saw it on the, uh, the church app notification that went out. This is a very special morning for us here at uh, The Well. It's a first. We, uh, as of just a couple minutes ago, went live, and we are live streaming. Yes. So uh, I'm going to do, do a wave. I'm not going to do this every week, but good morning. If you are watching us from Ojai, uh, good morning. And a uh, special shout-out to my kids in uh, Santa Clarita. And uh, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, yeah. So I kind of uh, get emotional when I think about my, it's my kids out there watching. So good morning. Love you guys. And uh, uh, this, this is wonderful. We have worked very, very hard. This has been a very busy week. And I would like to start, uh, in addition to, you know, just kind of getting settled, if we can say thank you. There have been a ton of people who have uh, gone into making the live streaming possible, making this service possible uh, from Kingdom Kids all the way through uh, the commons, the refreshments. Uh, there are so many people that are detail-oriented here. Um, you know, last week we, we tried the donuts with the tongs, and that didn't really work out. <laughs> but I want, I'm sharing this with you so you understand how detail-oriented we are here. So they're rethinking, you know, how, how can we provide donuts and refreshments and just kind of keep a sense of, of normalcy here. Uh, so if you go into the commons, and we invite you to after service, what we have are donuts on a stick. <laughs> Not a toothpick. I thought a toothpick. These are like three-inch skewers <laughs> designed for you to grab whatever donut piece you would like, or two, I and just walk on out of here with donut on a stick. So, um, right, so why don't, we just, why don't we just say thank you to everyone who has made this uh, facility uh, available for us this morning. Let's just say thank you. Uh, so, uh, Again, our live stream uh, is up, and uh, it is a work in progress, and, uh, you know, we appreciate any feedback input on that, uh, but really our heart was in these times of, of really disruption, uh, primarily that the Word of God would go out, and we put that up on video. This will still be put up on video after the service, uh, but we thought live streaming just creates a sense of presence, a sense that you're here enjoying uh, what we're enjoying here uh, as the weeks go forward and, uh, you know, we, the powers that be uh, make decisions affecting our ability to meet Sundays. Uh, we're still going to try to get things out every Sunday right around 10 o'clock, 1030. Uh, whether or not we're even gathering here, uh, it might just be me <laughs> and a skeleton crew and we'll, we'll turn on the live stream and you'll be able to have church from home Sundays at 10 o'clock. Um, so. Uh, both my girls. <laughs> so um, it's part of, you know, us doing life and together, right? Uh, we want to keep you as informed as possible and do our best to communicate. And as Mark alluded to earlier in our prayer, in his prayer, uh, you know, churches and their leadership teams are seeking the Lord. Uh, 
for the for the well-being of their individual congregations and i asked uh, the elders i asked them to meet this morning and we chatted a bit and mark's going to come up mark bodycomb he's one of the elders here and he's going to kind of share with you and with those of you uh, as part of our church uh, who are watching live uh, just kind of where we are and the general plans for this week I, I did want to just start actually with another passage of scripture. Just as I uh, just dwelled this morning, honestly, on kind of everything that's going on and considering today and considering this week and uh, everything, I, I, this verse just jumped out at me. This is what the Lord spoke to me this morning. And again, it's out of Ephesians 1, it's verse 2. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A super simple message. Grace and peace to you and you and you and you, every single one of us. Grace and peace in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is how we are um, getting through every day, you know. And I encourage you just to embrace and walk in and know the grace and peace of Jesus. Um, on a practical level, um, the leadership of this church is talking a lot. We're praying a lot. We are very engaged, like lots of other people are, with what's going on in the world, uh, in our community, in our body here. Um, and we really are um, seeking the Lord for balance, you know, a balance between concern and genuine concern over a serious situation and balance with continuity and that, that sense of continuity and the need for continuity and normalcy in our lives. So that really is uh, what we are targeting. And like Richie talked about, part of that is live streaming starting about five, ten minutes ago. Um, so our plans for the week this week, and that is as of right now at 1031 on Sunday morning, this is what our plan is for this week could change. If it does change, we will let you know. But the current plan is for our Tuesday night Bible study is going to convene. Uh, both Randy as the leader and Bill, they'll be here Tuesday night. And if you participate Tuesday night or would like to come Tuesday night, uh, so far we'll be here. Um, Wednesday night youth group is still meeting uh, this week and the kids are all out of school. So by Wednesday night, I would imagine parents are going to kind of want to send their kids to youth group, you know, so, uh, so uh, that, that will be going on as well. You saw a note about the uh, flower workshop for this upcoming weekend is going to be postponed. Um, we will decide later this week about next Sunday. We really are taking this kind of day by day, um, so we don't have a, a, a particular plan or commitment relative to next Sunday, so I guess I would say it's on unless you hear otherwise, but we will make that final decision later this week. If we don't meet uh, next Sunday, or if there's a just the Lord is prompting us to make that decision, like Richie said, uh, he'll be here and there will be live streaming and there will be teaching, and that'll be both live streamed as well as put up on the web. Um, the primary means of communication really is going to be through the OVCF website as well as the app. If you uh, the website's obviously just available as ovcfchurch.org. And uh, if you don't have the app, you can see Shiloh or Jordan or Vinny, somebody young, to uh, help you <laughs> get, get the app on your phone. Don't come see me. I, I, I totally couldn't help you do that. Um, and the last thing I just want to mention um, is that uh, we just instituted actually last week online giving. Um, just again, for the standpoint of continuity of 
our lives and church. Um, if you're not here and you are live streaming and uh, are watching this afterwards, if you would like to uh, put in your regular uh, tithe this week, doing that online is again available through the web and through the app. So um, thank you for that just as far as an update. And I will hear Richie tell us the word of truth. Great. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for you. Thank you uh, for the privilege, the opportunity to gather uh, this morning. And once again, as we open your word, we recognize our absolute dependence upon you through the Holy Spirit. Be the teacher, be the counselor. Your word is living and active. And Father, bring the understanding and then bring the application. Bring the application. And then, uh, Father, as we walk in obedience, may you transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. So we love you. We love your word. Accomplish your will and purpose for all of us gathered here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we have started Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. If you're at home, I encourage you to get your Bibles out and follow along. Still take notes and and participate with us uh, here. Of course, uh, right now we don't have the capability to put the screenshots up onto the live stream, um, so we'll be sensitive to you. But we're in Ephesians 1. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 from the ESV. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we saw last week that the book of Ephesians is really a letter. You know, the, the technical term would be epistle, but it's a letter written by a specific person to a specific group of people with a specific reason. And last week we focused on the recipients, right? And it says in, in verse 1, uh, the recipients are who? The saints, the saints, right? And we spent last week really focusing on this idea of sainthood, Right? Have you, as, as a follower of Jesus, really appropriated? Do you walk in the identity that positionally you are a saint? A saint, right? And, and that's something to be celebrated. We talked about four powerful truths that, that I've shared with you before. As a saint, you are complete, loved, accepted, and pleasing, right? Right? So let's say it together, complete. Love, accepted, pleasing, right? That's something to clap about, right? So every morning you wake up because most of us, again, we struggle at our identity level, and that, that plays out into how we follow Jesus. If you woke up in the morning and say, Father, thank you that positionally I am a saint, I am complete, I am loved, I am accepted, I am pleasing to you, how would that change your morning? How would that change your day? Right? Because most of us, if, if, you know, as, as believers, we tend to keep score, but usually we keep score of the negative. Right? And, 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 we, and all the shortcomings and all the failures. Right? And all the half empties, and if only. And, 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 and pretty soon you start to define yourself as, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace with the emphasis on sinner and sinful behavior, 
What if you changed your words to say, I'm a saint saved by grace? I'm a saint saved by grace, right? I am complete. I am loved. I am accepted. I am pleasing. I'm ready for the day. Right? The power of biblical truth just in your identity, right? And, and because the Ephesians is a letter, we're kind of using this analogy of when you get the mail, and when I get the mail and I have kids at home, right, I come in with the stack, and oftentimes they'll say, did I get anything? Right? Did I get anything? Well, then you look through the, the front of the envelopes, and, you know, in this particular case, it's to the saints in Ephesus, Right? And the purpose, we're going to see as we move forward, the purpose of this letter is to teach us saints how to live saintly. Right? To make our practice balance our position. When the Bible says in Ephesians, you're going to see Jesus says, have a walk worthy of the Lord. What that means is have your position as a saint match your practice. Hey, saints, be saintly. So Ephesians is written really for us to glorify God as saints by being saintly, right? And so uh, it's interesting. So we get, I brought this piece of mail, right? Big old piece of mail for illustration purposes. So, you know, did I get anything? Yeah, I got something here, right? And so usually the second question is if you you did get something, right? Hey, did I get anything? Yes. What's the next question? Or who's it from, right? Or what's in it? But you say, who's it from, right? And depending on the return address, right? This one just happens to be from the church up the street, right? First Baptist. Who's it from? I don't know about you, but I immediately, once I find out who it's from, I filter. And generally, there's three broad filters, right? If it's somebody pressing or important, you know, the... It's an immediate. How many of you have a category of immediate open? It just, you, you, you can't even wait. You just, shh, I got, right? Something you're waiting for, or whatever. How many of you see it and you have a to check later? Bills, and, right? You know, eh. and then there might be a broad category of just right into the shredder. Anyone have the, right? So, so we kind of have this, this filter already based on who it's from, right? Well, Ephesians 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Who's it from? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Okay, so the question for us saints is, what category does that go into in your life? Is that open immediately? Why is Paul writing to me? And what does Paul have to say? Is that a, eh, get to it later? Or is it like, Paul who? (laughs) Right? Possibly into the junk mail. Because you don't even understand the implications of Paul who. Right? And so the question is, if we're going to appreciate Ephesians, we really have to settle a couple of things. You as the recipient, as a saint, and Paul as the writer writing to you. Because this, le- this was a letter written to the saints. So in Ephesus and, and the surrounding area, and the letter would have gone around. So imagine they gather the saints and they, hey, we got something. What did we get? A letter. From who? Paul, the apostle. Paul, the apostle, wrote us? 
little old us in Ephesus? He wrote us? My guess is that those saints would have perked up. Read it, read it. Open it, open it. What's, what's the Apostle Paul saying? This, he, Paul, Paul wrote us. Come on, come on. This has got to be important. This, this, we got to know what Paul's writing to us, little old us saints in Ojai. Little us, you know, us anonymous saints. Paul wrote us a letter. Come on, right? And, and, and the question on the applications for you and for me as a saint, knowing that you have received a letter you know, of course, it's by God, right? All Scripture is inspired by God. But it's particularly Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul to you as a saint. Does that light your fire to want to open up? Like, oh, that's cool. I got, you know, how many of you still appreciate getting mail? You like getting, we all like getting mail, right? You feel like special. I got mail today, except for bills, right? Oh, hey, it's for you, Scott. <laughs> the bills, Right? There's something about it. There's something about it. And the question today is, is even now, just processing your sense, your desire, your hunger for the book of Ephesians, for the word of God as a whole, knowing that the word of God, all scripture is inspired by God, right? God breathed. Do you have that hunger? Do you have that, oh, I got to open it. I want to open it. Hurry, hurry. What's it say? We should have that. We should have that zeal. We should have that enthusiasm, right? Particularly for Ephesians, that it's written to us, to the saints, from the Apostle Paul, right? And it's about the saints being saintly. And, and he really helps us, and it's a very practical book, because really, we're dual citizens, right? In Philippians, it says this, Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, right? Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says... But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He says our citizenship is in heaven. So we're dual citizens. Think about that. As saints, again, this is identity issue. As a saint, do you walk in the truth that you're a dual citizen, that this is really a colony? Right? And how do you interact even with what's going on today? Are you responding as a saint slash citizen of heaven or simply like everyone else? Think about that for just a moment. This past week, your responses, your emotions, your thought, have you been responding moving forward as a saint and citizen of heaven or like everyone else who doesn't know Jesus personally? How have you been carrying yourself? Where's been your focus, right? Where it really kind of comes down to focus. And uh, a year or so ago, I shared this amazing example of, of for us of focus, right? And it's called the four-eyed fish, Right, And it's up on the screens. And for those of you at home, I had to print this out because we don't have that capability. So this is the four-eyed fish. It doesn't have four eyes. What happens is, see, it's at the water line. It has two eyes that look up, 
and it's, their eyes look up and look down at the same time. The eyes up top are looking for predators. The eyes below are looking for prey. So it's doing both at the same time. And the challenge for us as believers, citizens of heaven, is we kind of have this duality. And the question for us is, where's your primary focus been this past few days? Or maybe as a whole, right? If If we're citizens of heaven on here, this planet, for kingdom purposes... Where have you been looking? Where have you been looking? You know, the media, your friends, a lot of us, it's ourself. I think, I feel, I want, I don't like. Where's your focus been? Right? And that's really the heart of, of Ephesians as we move forward is what does it mean to be a saint and to live saintly, to live as a citizen of heaven while you're on this planet, while you're on this planet. And so we're going to be moving forward into this in the weeks ahead. And actually next week, we're going to spend more time on the significance of Paul and Paul being the author. Uh, but really, as I was praying uh, about today in light of uh, the current situation in the country and the world and not knowing if we were going to be here physically uh, next Sunday, uh, God really, really laid it on my heart to, to kind of shift a little bit and to use this idea of who are you listening to as a, into launching to, to really um, maybe a bigger picture of, of how to help you and I process um, a situation right now globally uh, that is causing a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, uh, you know, even within the church. And my question as we transition is, who are you listening to as a believer? Who, who are you listening to in this circumstance about how to deal with this, right? Who has your ear? And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John 16. We're going to look at John 16. In John 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and it's described as the upper room discourse and essentially what is happening in john 16 is jesus it's a, he's about to be arrested he's about to be crucified died and resurrect but this is right before it gets bad Okay, so he's sharing in the upper room with his disciples everything that's about to happen There's a weightiness to this. There's almost a heaviness to this. Very somber, very serious moment here. As his journey on this planet is kind of winding down, here they are gathering. He's speaking to them in the upper room discourse, and he's sharing what's about to happen. What's about to happen. And so we'll pick up in verse 32, John 16, 32 and 33, the last two verses. He says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. 
I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Verse 32, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. He's speaking about when he's arrested, the disciples really freak out and they desert him. They abandon. They're scattered. They just scatter. And he's not saying it necessarily in a condemning way. He's saying it like, I know your limitations. I get you. He's not, he's not necessarily harping on them in a very critical way. He's saying, hey, it, something's coming, and you're going to scatter. You're going to scatter, each to his own home. And I, that word picture really struck me in light of this morning. There is kind of a scattering, right? And it's not just a physical scattering of people that aren't in churches necessarily this morning, but I think there's even sort of been this emotional, mental, spiritual scattering, right? As, as when you keep hearing the news and it's such a fluid situation that once you sort of feel like you're getting settled into a bit of it, suddenly an hour later, the next morning you turn it on and it gets turned again, there's another hard left or another hard right, and it just gets scattered all over again. Right, I think about uh, the schools that are closed uh, this week, and what that's meant for parents in terms of care and you know work schedules and, and all of that. A bit of scattering has happened, and so my question for you is: In this scatteredness, how are you doing? Where are you looking? Where's your sense of peace? Right, and then he says this. He says. In that verse, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. My encouragement to you is to follow Jesus' example. As a follower of Jesus in the new covenant, you're never alone. You're not alone spiritually. You're not alone. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Psalm 46, God is an ever-present help in trouble. He's our refuge. He's there. He's there. So if you're listening at home, he's there. He's there. Okay? He's there. You you, got to really take the moment. In the scatteredness of it, you have to discipline yourself to slow down and stop. Because right now there's a churning got to go we got to go we got to go da 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 right we got to go and there's this just sense of this got to got to slow down if you didn't know uh the president uh declared this the national day of prayer a national day of prayer and we had a, a series a while back uh on the lord's prayer and, and the question the title of the series was are you praying or just saying And we looked at the biblical definition of prayer, and a lot of times we pray, but it's just rote, it's just words, and we just repeat it, and we feel like we did our duty because we prayed. And we really said, no, what is prayer? Truly, prayer is relationship. 
right? If you remember that. In fact, here's Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Let's, let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We walked through this for like three months, but let's read it together, right? Matthew 6, 9 to 13. It says this. Ready? Begin. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right? Matthew 6, 9 to 13. We started that series, and I, I shared with you those first, that first phrase, those first two words, our Father. See, again, most of us think of prayer as asking for things. So even in the Declaration of a National Day of Prayer, I know many are asking God's intervention and you know, God to do something. But my concern is that we've, we skipped the first half of the Lord's Prayer. And the first half of the Lord's Prayer is designed to bring us vertically this way first. Look at it again. Eileen can keep it up there. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see how prayer is all about him first? Amen? It's all about him first. It's focusing on him first before I start asking for anything. When we come to pray, we come and we say, Our Father. And we recognize that we have the privilege under the new covenant to call him Abba Father. Amen? So in this time of scattering, maybe you just need to sit and say, Father. 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 Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. <sighs> He's Father. He's your Father. You're His saint. You're not alone. This is not bigger than him. The Bible says there is nothing too difficult for him. Amen? But the church needs to come back, and in this national day of prayer, you just need to camp that you can call him Father. And who you are in Christ. And take a deep breath. Right? Remember Psalm 46? Be still and know that I am God. That's cease striving, right? He says, hey, cease striving. When he says, be still and know that I am God, he's like, hey, cease striving. I got this. See, maybe this morning in the National Day of Prayer, you need to say, Father, thank you that I'm not alone. And thank you that you got this. Because he's got this. Your father has got this. Now, do we understand uh, why's and all, you know, why is it allowed? We don't understand that, but I do know this based on the authority of the word of God. He's my father. 
He's my father. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. And so Jesus says, hey, I get it. I know your limitations. You're going to scatter. There's going to be in a big upheaval. It's okay. I'm not alone. My father's with me, right? And then in verse 33, John 16, 33, we go back. He says, I have said these things to you that in me, everyone say in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world, right? Hey, saints, here's the great thing. You're in Christ positionally. You already are in him positionally. You are placed in him at the moment of salvation, right? What does that mean? Romans 5.1, we have peace with God. Everyone say with God, right? Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have the peace of God, right? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Saints, do you have that peace? You have the peace. Are you living, walking continuously in the peace with God and the peace of God? And a lot of that honestly just goes back to where you choose to focus. Where are you choosing to focus? Right? And a lot of times people look at peace as having just the right resources. Well, you know, we stocked up and we did this. And so, yeah, we have peace because we have the resources. Well, there's two parts to kind of having peace. There's resources and relationships. You have the right resources and you have the right relationships, right? Because under the New, in the New Testament, the word peace really has to do with harmony, with things being the way they're supposed to be, in unity, in accord. That's peace. Right. So a lot of people out there, you know, uh, maybe rightly so, are looking for peace in stocking up resources. But what are they doing in relationship with God in terms of preparation? And what are we doing as believers in that daily continual reminder that, you know what, we have all the resources we need and we have all the relationships we need. Amen. In Christ, right? In Christ. I love 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3. In Christ, we have all the resources. Amen? We have everything we need. In Christ. In Christ, we have peace with God, and we can experience the peace of God, so we're right relationally. Amen? You see that? Are you walking in that truth? Are you walking in that truth? Alexander McLaren says, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of Christ. You see, a lot of people are going to pray that things be taken away. And I'm not saying that's wrong to pray for the absence of things, but true peace is in Jesus. 
in his presence, in you recognizing your identity in him, right? And it's really interesting because if you look at John 16, Ali, we'll put that back up. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Look at that verse up on the screens or in your Bibles if you're at home, John 16, What's the promise in that verse? The promise? What does it say is, is, what's the promise in there? The promise is tribulation. The peace is your choice. Look at the verse. You will have tribulation. That's it for granted. Then what does he say? In the world, you will have tribulation. I'm sorry, before that. I have said these things to you that in me, you what? May have peace. It's your choice. You have all the resources. You have the right relationship. But if your focus isn't right, where's the peace going to be? It's there waiting for you. But he promises tribulation. In the world, you will. If it's not this, it's going to be something else. And the truth is, this particular uh, coronavirus isn't impacting everybody. But even if it's not impacting them, they're being impacted by something else. There's a lot of people sick with other things. There's a lot of people dealing with financial issues. There's a lot of people dealing with relational issues. Unrelated to the coronavirus, it's all tribulation. And Jesus says, you're going to have it. You're going to have it. Even the church, you're going to have tribulation, even as followers, even as saints. You will. He's speaking directly to his disciples. Hey, you will have tribulation. That's the promise. That's the for granted. But he says, in me, you may have peace. And he says, how do you do that? Keep walking. Take heart. Take heart in some versions that says, be of good cheer. Others' version says, be courageous, right? He says, hey, be courageous, right? If you want peace, be courageous. Take heart, be of good cheer, okay? So right away, he's challenging your emotions. He's challenging how you're feeling about this whole thing, right? He goes right to the feeling level because a lot of us still live at the feeling level. So he says, hey, in me, you may have peace. I promise tribulation's coming, but, right, here it is, but be courageous. Be of good cheer, right? So how many of you right now, if you're honest, that hasn't been your emotional state in this this time of tribulation, Fear, worry, anxiety, stress has actually been dominating you more than taking heart, being of cheer, good cheer, and being courageous. I don't know. It's just a question. It's just a question because Jesus says, you may have peace in me, and so here's how you do it. First step, be courageous. Make a choice. The choice, the peace of Christ really comes into our choices. So he's saying, choose courage. Choose to take heart. Choose to be of good cheer. And that choice really is dependent on where you're focusing. Where are you focusing? 
Because if I focus on who I am in Christ, and if I focus on right resources and right relationship, you know what? I got a lot of reasons to be courageous. Amen? If I focus on all the what-ifs and worst-case scenarios that are out there on the media and swirling around there, I got a lot of reasons to be scared to death. It's just a matter of where you're choosing to focus. Right? The four right fish. Where are you looking? Up or down? Right? He says, take heart, and then here it is. I have overcome the world. He's speaking truth to them. And the truth resonates in him. It's about who he is and the victory he has. It's about him. He says, I have overcome the world. And I was thinking about that, and it brought me back to the series we did about a year ago on biblical hope. Now, biblical hope is defined as confident expectation, absolute certainty of future good. The world defines hope as, oh, I hope so. I hope, I hope, and I'm scared, but I hope, right? And so the world defines hope in very uncertain terms. I'm scared. It's wishful thinking. That's the world's definition of hope. When the Bible says we have a living hope, it means absolute certainty. We have confidence and we have courage because our hope is Jesus and he's alive. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Our living hope is in him. First Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living. Everyone say living. Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead what he's saying is hey be a good cheer think eternal picture here i already won and if you're a saint you're on the winning team don't forget that we win because he already won he defeated death he rose from the dead we win amen we win because he already won. It's a done deal, right? I'd like to joke with you. If, you. if you're not sure, read the end of the book. You're allowed to peek. We win. You can peek. It's all going to be made good. Because Father says so. And he's trying, to get you to, he's trying to get you and me as saints to kind of pan out and look at this from the biblical eternal perspective. Amen? He's trying to get you to be reminded of who you are and who he is and that we all win. That's what he's trying to get us to see in here. He says, I have overcome the world. Alan Carr says this, our hope is a living hope that is sure, certain, and real, as opposed to the deceptive, empty, false hope the world offers. You see, many in our day are pinning their hopes on their 401k plan. Many have their hope in the stock market. Some have their hope in their health or their family. This is a hope based in wishful thinking. When the New Testament uses the word hope, it does not refer to a fond wish or desire. It means, quote, a confident assurance based on the word of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that produces an excited response. Amen? Amen. That's kind of what we're supposed to be doing to be witnesses in salt and light out there. 
This is an incredible opportunity for the church to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to bring hope and peace to a world that is searching for it right now. Things are affecting everyone. Whatever side of the aisle you are on politically, whatever your economic situation may be, whatever race, nationality, whatever, we're all in this together. A lot of the comfort zones are broken down. People are scared. We were at Vaughn's, my wife and I, at, uh, in Ventura yesterday at 5 o'clock. And man, it is a strange situation. It was kind of empty. But man, to walk around supermarkets in this country with empty shelves is really a wake-up call. I mean, that's something you see on the news over on the other side of the planet, isn't it? And suddenly Americans are walking around supermarkets with literally no meat at this bond, like very little meat and shelves and just gone. And we're just like, wow, look at this. It's sobering. People are are being challenged at levels in this country that they never thought they would be challenged, which is like just living. The basics. And into that, the church can come with living hope now i'm not talking and please don't be goofy about it and inappropriate and and like you know throw verses at people and kind of be like overly you know like you know you you know what i'm talking about right how how some in the church just like well you know and then it just comes off phony and not really sincere and it's just kind of like out of touch i'm not talking don't be that but you might have a neighbor you might have a coworker. You might have a family member, a friend, who literally is trying to make sense of it all. And they don't need you to preach a sermon. They might not even need you to quote a verse. What they need is an ear and love. And maybe in that interaction, they may come to you and say, can I ask you a question? How come you have peace? Can I ask you a question? How are you dealing with this? Because there seems to be a peace about you. You don't seem all riled up like others that I talk to. What's making you tick? That's the opportunity to simply share your living hope, to share why you have a peace that surpasses all understanding, to point them to Jesus, amen? Because what really matters at this time, that they know Jesus, that their name is written in the book of life, and perhaps through God allowing this situation and through your pre-existing relationships, you are going to be used by God to have more names written in the book of life. You, simply because you are walking in peace, simply because you're being a saint, understanding how saints handle these situations in a saintly way, right? That's what we're talking about. John 14, 25, in the New Living Translation, I love this, John 14, 25. Again, Jesus is so cool. I love Jesus because he like tells us ahead of time what's going to happen, He like knows things are going to happen. He says, hey, okay, I'm going to prep you, okay? I'm going to prep you so you don't freak out. This is another one of those I'm prepping you passages. 
John 14, 25, 27. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Jesus says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. I love this. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How many of you want that gift? Uh, Note to saints, you have it. It's already there. Saints, appropriate it. It's in him and you're in him. You can choose. The gift is there. And if you uh, don't know if that gift is for you, I encourage you, put your faith in Jesus. Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Be placed in Christ. Receive all the resources you could possibly need. Be in right relationship with him and the people in the church. And you got peace. So you can make that choice for salvation this morning, right? 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5 in the ESV says this. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It's faith. Faith. And remember, it's faith from victory, not for victory. From victory, from your identity, from who you are in Christ, from your name being written in the book of life, from being complete, loved, accepted, and pleasing. Do you believe it? See, at these moments, when you get challenged, maybe down, and it's all stripped away, and you recognize your bank account can't save you and all this kind of stuff, and you recognize and you're confronted with your finiteness and your mortality, you know what happens? Some, for some of us in the church, you have this question. Do I really believe this? And I think maybe for some in the church, this is an opportunity for you to ask yourself, do you really believe what you say you believe? This is one of those moments where you can't play church. This is serious. Do you believe what you say you believe? Right? Maybe that, for some, the, the, the lack of peace in your life is that that's not been settled. Sure, you've come to church for maybe years and you know how to talk church and you maybe own a Bible and you go to Bible studies, yada, 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 all that stuff. But when you strip it all away, do you really believe it? Are you there? That's the starting point. Jesus says, in me, you may have peace. Right? Take heart, be of good cheer, be courageous. I've overcome the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus? You believe then if you do rest right now those of you here are resting on those chairs i've not seen one of you be fearful or anxious and try to help that chair since you've been sitting here 
Some of you are resting in it more than others right now. You're like, (laughs) you have rested your full weight on that chair and you have not given it a second thought since you've been here. I've been watching you. Question, do you rest in the same way on Jesus? See, many of you have been at peace with that chair, haven't you? You've sat down in complete peace, resting on that chair to support your weight. You don't know who made that chair. You don't know the warranty. Now I'm freaking you out. Like, now you're all nervous. I was fine before you went there. Now I got to check the chair. For an hour-ish, you have experienced peace in that chair, and you have rested fully in it. Would you do the same with Jesus? Would you just rest in him? Because he says, in me, you may have peace. It's in him. It doesn't mean we don't prepare and do the practical things that are necessary and take care of ourselves physically. It doesn't mean we don't. You do that, but the ultimate source of your peace is in him. We do what we need to do as citizens on this planet, as citizens of this country, but our peace isn't in circumstance. Our peace is in Christ. So we go about our daily business. Even if we can't meet here physically next Sunday, we still have peace. We'll still have peace. Because it's in Christ and not circumstance. I love this by John MacArthur. The real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, sovereign, powerful God in every difficulty. Those who honor him by trusting him will experience the blessings of his perfect peace. It's trusting in him, not asking that it all be taken away. You see the difference? One is circumstance-driven, one is Christ-driven. You want peace, Jesus says, you can have it if you choose to find it in me and not your circumstance. It's all there for you, saints. It's all there for you. And then finally, Corey Ten Boom says this. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Simple, right? You see the choice? It's all about choice. Where are you looking? Jesus says, in me you may have peace. I have overcome the world. Be at peace in him, in who you are, in him already. Already, saints, already. Okay? We're going to pray. We're going to have a time of prayer. Uh, Just so you know, uh, today, you notice we don't have the communion tables out. We're not going to be um, participating in communion. You can still do it at home. Nothing says you can't have communion at home. Okay, even those of you at home, if you're listening or watching, you can have communion at home uh, just out of sensitivity to the health concerns this Sunday. Uh, we're not having communion. Um, but as we prepare to leave, we're going to sing a couple songs. As we prepare to leave, here's my encouragement. Accept the incredible privilege you have as a child of God to choose 
where to put your focus. The Bible says we're no longer slaves to sin. We, we can choose. We can choose, amen? So just like you have found peace in that chair for an hour and 20 minutes, rest in Jesus. Rest in Jesus. And here's my encouragement to you. Maybe um, when you get home this afternoon, tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, whenever you're quiet, turn off the media and just be quiet at home. Just be quiet. Sit there long enough to be uncomfortably quiet and rest in Jesus and let him minister to you as you work through this together. And we're going to continue to work through this as a church family. It's very fluid. Uh, the leadership, like they said, we're, we're in constant communication. Uh, when you hear something on the news, we hear something on the news. And so uh, there's a lot of you that we're sensitive to. A lot of logistics goes into not just planning, but even canceling things. We, we understand that we're doing our best, and we'll continue to do our best to, uh, to communicate with you. Uh, but this is the big we. This is the church. This is also an incredible, incredible opportunity for the church to be salt and light. This is an incredible opportunity, again, for you just by living the peace of Christ to point people to Christ when they ask, how are you doing this? How are you working through this, man? And you say, well, you got a minute? Let me share. Let me share. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for our time together this morning. And Jesus, thank you. John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. My prayer for us as a church family, the church as a whole, as we continue to move forward in these circumstances, Father, that our peace would be in Jesus, in who we are, that we have all the necessary resources that you have provided. We are right with you. We are in relationship with the church. We have peace in and through Jesus. So, Father, thank you for that. Give us wisdom. Give us direction as a church leadership team, as a church family in the days ahead. And Father, maybe through this, souls will be saved because of the witness of the church. We pray for our government leaders as well. Give them wisdom. We pray for the healthcare workers, the doctors and nurses, and all those that are doing their best to walk the planet through these times. And again, thank you that in the midst of it, we may have peace in Jesus. Father, we love you. We renew our faith in you this morning, our trust, simply resting 
in the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, simply resting in our identity as saints, resting in the peace of Christ. We love you. We thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.